You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remso Martinez. And I'm Mark Clare. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics Podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics Podcast at secondprintcomics.com. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. I think I need to come to a realization that this day, which may have, you know, may have come a few times in the past, is like really here and I cannot keep running from it. Uh, I need to wear my glasses. I know some of you have seen me wear my prescription glasses uh, I'm nearsighted, and I got it also help with migraines. And for a while, I wore them pretty much daily, uh, especially my last couple years of college. And uh, you know, at one point, my vision started getting better. I still wear them like pretty, pr- pretty staggeredly, but uh, recently, it's just been getting more and more difficult to read things from a distance. And I'm not talking like you know when, when I used to go drive and I had to wear them. I no longer have to deal with that as much, but now I'll be like sitting in the conference room looking at uh, projection on the screen and either everything will be enlarged and I look at it and I'm like, I, I can't see that shit. In fact, it's even getting hard for me to read stuff on my laptop, so I need to start reading my glasses, re- uh, reading stuff with my glasses. I also realized that uh, my sleep is like crap, so, you know, apart from just other healthy habits, no alcohol past a certain time, putting away technology, blah, 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 exercise, have some melatonin or something... I also got these blue light glasses um, because I'm in front of my laptop and phone all day. So, you know, I got these blue light glasses and they're not half bad. And honestly, like, I thought they'd give me a headache or something, but it's really just a, you know, clear lens, standard lens of some blue light filtering. And uh, I dig it. I think uh, I think I'm at this point in my life where I've got just accept I have to wear glasses for more things. But uh, this is nothing to do with the show. Actually, it kind of does. Accepting what you cannot deny any longer as always i'm welcome i'm uh, i was gonna say i'm welcome back i'm rev so w martinez welcome to on the run if you're a new listener it's getting new listeners every episode here we discover new topics and conversations uh enlighten you on the world at your fingertips and rediscover fun in the process for long time listeners this will really benefit you and, and what I'm asking you know, new listeners to do is, um, I'm calling it the five-episode challenge. Uh, go back and listen to the last five episodes, and what I really want you to understand is that we cover a lot of different things here. No episode is ever, ever the same. You're, you're never going to get too much of a repeat on here. Because what I want you to do is I really want you to understand where you are in your life right now. And uh, where I'm at is the point where I'm going to take off these blue light glasses right now. Because I, I, I can't. I can't do it the entire time, but um, I had a I had a college roommate reach out to me about two weeks ago, and I graduated from Liberty University in 2017. Uh, he's a good guy, uh, good dude, but you know, to to be completely honest with you, and if he's listening to this, man, like you know. This is not an insult, but I, I got to say it. I didn't really expect you to do much because there are people who work and hate it. And there are people that work and accept it. And there are people who love their work. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that you're work adverse, but, you know, when you got a job before me, it, it quite surprised me. Now, was I a bit jealous? Yeah, I kind of was. Uh, you know, we got to admit that. We're jealous of things sometimes. It helps us move on. Jealousy is the biggest thief of joy. And, um, you know, anyway, th- this guy reached out to me and 
long story short, he had gotten a job through LinkedIn almost immediately after college in a field that I really wanted to break into. He was a producer for a major news network, uh, produced a hit TV show, and then continued within the digital marketing communication sphere within the nonprofit world, and uh, was not making... Uh, a small chunk of change. He was living in California for a little bit, so you know you could make a ton of money, but you're taxed and your tax out of existence and cost of living is is a bitch and a half. But um, you know, basically, he had done that, moved around a little bit, continued to work, and then in I think it was December, January, he got laid off, and he was laid off because his boss was just not a nice person and always had it out for him. And since then, he's been living off his stimulus checks, which have recently run out. So he reached out to me and he's like, man, I I need some help with something because you know what it's like to have been fired, to quit, to be laid off, to be severance. You've had everything happen to you and your career path has been a roller coaster and this is hitting me really fucking hard. And, uh, you know, for a minute I was just kind of like, ha, now people admit to it. Now people see it. So my ego got boosted a little bit, but you know, this guy's coming out to me. It's hard for a man to go to another man and ask for help and say that they're struggling. So I had to put my ego in check, and I asked him what was going on. And long story short, uh, need help looking for work, need help keeping himself busy. Uh, his biggest thing, though, because he knows he's going to get another job, is a sense of purpose. Uh, he, like myself, it seems, defines themselves by the work they do. You know, I'm a workaholic because I define myself by what I'm able to create and produce. I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying that's that that's me. But uh, you know, I, I tried to really understand his full circumstances right now and you know, was making was making a pretty good salary, you know, close to seventy a year. And uh, you know, long story short, spent it, never saved, really didn't invest, uh, you know was living as if it was going to keep going. And now what has happened is after the stimulus checks have begun to run out, he moved back across the country to stay with his parents. Now, in this situation, I could have done several things. One, I could have, told, I could have laughed at him and not responded. Secondly, I could have, you know, just said, well, you know, sucks to be you, keep looking for a job. But I decided to help him. Didn't charge. Some people think I'm an asshole charging for everything. No, I didn't charge him. Um, I'm using him as, you know, resource material for this episode for a newsletter I wrote. So I, I think that's enough right there. But um, you know, he was he 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 was just at a point where he's like, I just need to I need to feel better than I feel now because I feel like shit because a man is supposed to work and I'm not working. So what would you do, Remso? And I told him bluntly, I would do two things. One. I would immediately go and get a part-time job. I told him Domino's Pizza is giving people $500 starting to deliver pizzas part-time. Think about that. I almost thought about doing that on the weekends. $500 signing bonus, make, you know, two to 300 delivering pizzas on the weekend, probably Friday night through Sunday night. I could probably do that. I, I already work as is. I don't sleep much. I could probably do that. But I told him, uh, start working on some skills, you're in the digital marketing sphere, so go, maybe go get a Google, Google Analytics certification. Maybe maybe take a copywriting course. Maybe uh, offer to do some social media management for people. We're in this post-pandemic digital era. There's no such thing as a starving artist anymore. If you're, you're, if you're a starving artist now, um, you, you probably suck as a businessman or woman. So, I mean, I'll just say that. And uh, third, I said, you got to just get on LinkedIn, ZipRecruiter, and you got to apply to jobs every, t- every day. Like each time you go and take a shit, apply to 10 jobs on ZipRecruiter. And eventually, you will find a job. But in the meantime, what you will do is you will work, you will be productive, you will have a sense of dignity, and you'll be able to do what you should have done when you were making some real big boy money. You should be beginning to save, get a high-interest savings account, and begin a starter emergency fund of $1,000, and as long as you don't have any credit card debt or anything else, because now you need to be on beans and rice and rice and beans, as Dave Ramsey would say, then from there you start to do between three to six months of emergency savings for when life happens. They call it a rainy day fund, not, not because of the question if it will rain one day. It's a matter of when it will rain. And um, 
you know, that, that's what you got to do, man. And, and, and you might hear this, and if you don't know me, you're probably just thinking, well, this is just some prick. This is just some guy who, who's wealthy and his parents took care of him and he hasn't had to work. Um, I've got a story for you. And I've been thinking about it for a couple weeks now since my, my old college roommate called because I've been sending him you know postings for jobs and stuff like that. And I've really had to think about how I do this. And if you've been a longtime listener of the show or if you've listened to my interviews and stuff in the past, you, you've probably heard bits and pieces of this. But today I'm going to go ahead and give you the full story. Um, I'm titling this episode Great Millennial Expectations and Crappy Jobs. And this is, uh, th- this is an intimate episode for me because... You know, it has to do with stuff I'm not comfortable with talking about all the time. It has to do with stuff that reminds me of a really dark period in my life. And like many of you, you begin to realize that life doesn't usually just have one dark period. Life usually has multiple, and they're never fun. But let me go ahead and talk to you about how I ended up basically getting my dream job, becoming debt-free, being able to build multiple streams of passive income, but ultimately find a sense of inner peace and, dare I say, genuine happiness. Um, after high school, when I graduated from high school, I was actually not only the, well, right, right before I was graduating from high school, I was not only the first person in my class to get accepted to a college, but I also um, was the first one to receive a scholarship fund. I was accepted to Marion Military Institute. Uh, you heard me talk about this a few episodes back, uh, lessons I learned from attending a military college. And I received a two-year ROTC scholarship to attend their early commissioning program uh, through our Army ROTC. Uh, you complete that, you get commissioned within two years, but then you go on to another school to finish off your undergrad work. While you're there, you're serving in the Guard or Reserve, so you're you know you're drilling as a as a as a reservist or guardsman, and uh, all that college is also paid for. So college is paid for, and you're also making money as a guardsman and as an officer, young officer. It's it's a pretty good deal. So I do that, and uh, you know it, it was a rough period. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about other people during that time. It was good. And, um, you know, my parents are proud of me. Everyone's proud of me. Best shape of my life. But, you know, I'm just, I'm just kicking ass. Things are going good. Uh, at the, around that point, 2014, 2015, I start blogging, start ghostwriting, start proofreading for other writers and stuff like that. And I realized I want to get into the political game. So I just want to start doing political commentary. Uh, a good friend, Becky Gerritsen, hooks me up with uh, an internship at FreedomWorks in D.C. And that was my first you know, DC experience. I was young. I had a little bit of money in my pocket. I had a lot of swagger. Um, I didn't know what I was getting into. It was a great experience. Made good friends for life. Great experiences. Great connections. Really uh, a good foundation for me as a writer, especially. And uh, I thought I knew everything at that point. One DC internship, and it's like, bam! I know exactly what I'm freaking doing. Uh, during that time, though, you know, developing some bad habits. Um, you know becoming a little bit of a narcissist, and I'm also not spending money. Uh, my parents were basically paying for my Metro pass in and out of D.C. So end up going back to school. Uh, school, I get caught up in a lot of distractions from the classroom and stuff, and, uh, you know, start tipping into my savings when I go out to eat, when I go buy stuff. Just I'm, I'm just spending money on, like, stupid shit. And then, uh, you know, I take more time away from the classroom. I start managing and working on political campaigns. Bam! One day, I'm in the middle of an election day, and underneath one of those big tent awnings, a poll comes undone and smacks me in the back of my head. Um, I get a very severe concussion. And that was the start of a very, very, very difficult point in my life where um, I'm going in and out of traumatic brain injury clinics um, through, a, through, through some army hospitals. I'm still trying to finish my undergrad work. My health overall isn't that great. They're trying to figure out what's wrong with me and stuff like that. I'm still working. I'm still applying for work, but I was a political science major. 
uh, political science majors, there's a dime a dozen. There was nothing special about me. Even though I thought there was something special about me, uh, there are a lot of other people who also think that they're special, and they're also putting in the work. So uh, 2016 election, Trump becomes president. I graduate a year later. I'm looking for work. I'm also dealing with this head injury. Um, I make a deal with my parents because I had started my first podcast at the time, and I said, I want to become a full-time content creator. Um you know, let me let me do this. So I take out really what's left of my savings and I employ my brother full time. And that's charitable, you know, for me to say, because really he was doing a lot of stuff for like extremely little money. Uh, I'm so grateful my brother was on that journey with me. And now my brother's an award winning producer and uh, TV director. Um, but, you know, I do that for about five months and then my parents are like, OK, like, what are you going to do? Like, you know, what, what's going on if you health-wise? What's going on if you job-wise? How much money do you have? Do you think maybe you can move out? Maybe get a job? And basically, my, my savings are blown. And my mom looks at me and she's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not mad at you, but I'm disappointed in you because we provide you every opportunity to save money and to be diligent with your work and everything. And what have you done? You've squandered it. You are, you have nothing. You are, you are really living at our mercy because otherwise you would, you would have nothing to show for it. And you have this degree and you have this commission in the guard. And around that time I was, I was a medical profile, which basically meant, man, do we keep you or do we not keep you? So it, it was, it was difficult because of that too. So, uh, come December, my dad comes back for a few weeks uh, from a from a deployment to spend some time with my family, and he basically looks at me. He's like, "Come January, you gotta go get a job." So, looking looking for work, have really no money, big gap in my resume for almost half a year. Also, get some speeding tickets. Speeding tickets in Virginia fucking suck. They cost a lot of money and a lot of money I didn't have. I also got into crypto trading which meant all I did was lose a ton of money because as soon as it dropped a dollar, I was selling it all. Um, I was just like, everything I was doing was just reaction. So what's the first thing I do? I get a job as a mall cop making about eleven fifty an hour. I'm working 16, 24 hours a week. Uh, took a lot of overtime work when possible. So one night I literally like stayed in my car in a parking lot um, guarding a stage on St. Patrick's Day. I just literally had to park my car in front of a stage, hold a flashlight, and uh, watch the stage all night. Uh, end up just sleeping like eight hours. Nothing happened to the stage. Um, you know, made made some good overtime during that, doing that. And, uh, you know, being a mall cop, you got to wear the uniform. You had to stand outside all day. It was one of those outdoor malls. Freezing weather. Absolutely freezing. Um, you know, people, people don't care if, if you have a college ring. They're going to treat you like the mall cop. I didn't tell anyone about that job until after I left. But, uh, you know, I made good money. During that time, I was also working on my first book. I'm like, you know, I got to make a big play. I'm going to write a book. It was my first book, Stay Away From Libertarians. Uh, luckily, I was one of the few guys during my shifts that I could actually, like, read and write in English. So I was the, uh, you know, I, I was the, uh, the dispatch guy for a while. So I'm basically like in the big camera room and nothing really happened. So I could pull out my laptop and uh, write the book. I was also managing a friend's campaign for city council. So I was basically mall cop by day, campaign manager by night. I uh, did that for about three, four months. I got fucking tired of it. And I was like, you know, I got to do something else. So leave that, uh, finish off the campaign, Campaigns, campaign ends. Uh, next thing you know, a friend of mine, uh, brings me on to basically be his intern. He was working for a, for a pack. So now I go from making 1150 to 1750. I'm like, Oh my God, this is now I'm, now I'm really hitting, hitting the big leagues. Even though I'm an intern again, uh, this is, uh, this is a pretty good deal. So that quickly ends, uh, after like three, four months, I was not, I was not great at it to be completely honest. And, you know, I was I was still just not great with my money either. I was like, oh, you know, I'm gonna jump in this new altcoin and all this other stuff. So that that doesn't quite work out. Then, luckily, uh, somebody I worked with a few years ago is like, hey, I've got this uh, I've got this guy who runs a news site called Red Tea News. Uh, they need they need writers, they need journalists, and they pay. So I start doing that. Thirty bucks an article. 
um, getting paid to write, you know, uh, 500 words for 30 bucks a pop. I'm writing about a whole bunch of stuff. A lot of my stuff went viral there. That was really great. Book comes out, uh, end up basically using the book revenue to, uh, go on a trip to Iceland (laughs) with my uh, dad, my brother. I did a full episode about that. That was actually totally worth it. So all that happens. I'm making, you know, a few hundred dollars a month writing for this news site, but I still need something else. So I end up becoming an intern again at Young Americans for Liberty. Uh, I'm working like 45 hours a week doing that. It's a very intense internship. Now I'm making about 11.75, so I'm making about a quarter more than I was making as a mall cop. Five dollars, five five six dollars less than I was making as an intern at the other place. Um, but at least now I get to be in a cubicle and I don't have to wear a uniform and I'm actually pretty good at what I'm doing. Uh, later I find out, you know, a few jobs I apply for, I'm not going to get hired and I've got a few days to, uh, you know, left of my internship. So I'm like, shit, I'm going to be out of a job right before Christmas. I was really hoping I can get a job out of this. Well, they're like, sorry, man, it can't happen. So I end up leaving that job and I don't tell my parents for about a week. They thought I had a few weeks on. I thought I had a few weeks on tonight. I only had about a week left. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta make a move. I, um, I take a few days pretending to go to work and instead I go to the public library. I did two things. I made like a hundred copies of my resume. And I also tried to create an online class on how to, you know, how, how to be a copywriter and stuff. Long story short, I was not prepared for that. I take out $200 loan from a friend at 50% interest to help me do marketing. Uh, you know, Facebook ads, videos, um, you know, I even printed out flyers. I was going to go literally put flyers in all the doors in my neighborhood. I did that. Uh, nobody signed up. And the course was also just shit, to be completely frank. So now I've got $300. I owe a friend a uh, course that's making no money. It just now I'm just, you know, $300 in the hole. But luckily, I had gone around town passing around copies of my resume And I got a job within a day working at GameStop as a seasonal part-time cashier between 8 to 36 hours a week, um, making $7.25. $7.25 is Virginia minimum wage. So here I am having done what I thought was a bunch of cool shit, being a best-selling author as well, college grad, army officer with security clearance. Now I'm making $7.25 working part-time at GameStop. And uh, I got to tell you, my my ego is just not very great at that point. In fact, I also took a job in West Virginia on a weekend to be this one political candidate to get out the vote director. I made literally $300. So I drove 12 hours to West Virginia. I slept on his couch. I ate gas station food. I worked like uh, 18, 20 hours straight. And the next day I drove, tw- you know, the day after the election, I drove like 12 hours back. Uh, literally he gave me a $50 bonus. So I used the bonus for gas and food and shit. And then immediately I went to my friend's house and paid him back his $300 cause I wasn't making enough just from GameStop to do that. So basically, uh, I'm working and you know, at this point I'm like, I'm done with crypto. I'm done with all this other stuff. I, I don't have real control of my money. I just need to save my money and to just live frugally. No more going out with my friends, no more any of this. I just need to really reconsider what I'm doing. This is why I discover YouTube channels like Andre Jick, Graham Stephan. Uh, I start listening to Dave Ramsey, and I'm like, you know, I got to really uh, adjust my mindset towards money. I also read uh, Rich Dad, Poor, Man, Poor Dad by uh, Robert Kiyosaki. Um, so, I mean, like doing this job at GameStop was actually pretty good for me because what it, it did was... It, it humbled me in a way that uh, I really just had to get back to, you know, focusing on just being a good employee, you know, humbling myself because no one cares that you're a college grad and you've written a book and all this shit when they just want their video game for their kid. And, um, you know, I wanted more hours, so I was the hardest working employee. I was actually, you know, the, the best uh, employee, according to customer reviews, the couple months I was there. I told my boss I want more hours. So he was like, okay, I'll give you as many hours as possible. He took me up to like 36 hours a week. And then what he did was he also made me a cash uh, cashier. So I was getting up to like 38, 39 hours. And then he also split me between two stores in our district. So one day I was at one store, you know, cleaning the shelves, mopping the floor, all that shit, cashing people out, doing inventory, locking up that type of stuff. And I was just happy to have the opportunity. And I remember one time I came back 
home. This was around uh, Christmas season and everything else. And I just fell face first on my couch. And my dad looked at me. He's like, how are you feeling? How, how are you feeling? And I said, I, I feel like I've never worked so hard for so little money in my life. And, you know, as, as like at peace with the world as I was that, you know, this is just a phase is going to be all right. Like I, I kind of needed that moment. And, um, you know, my dad was like, yeah, but you're, you're going to remember this. Like you're going to be a better person because you did this. And your mom and I are proud of you for doing this because for a while I was telling people like my future mother-in-law, um, she was like, you know, I knew a kid who became a, a, a mailman and now he's working at the NSA. He just need a job to do that. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm better. I've done all this stuff. I don't need a part-time job. People are going to laugh at me if they hear I'm a mall cop. People are going to laugh at me if they hear I'm just another intern. People are going to laugh at me if uh, if they know that I'm doing this at fucking GameStop. And honestly, like some people did. Some people did laugh at me. But then, you know, it got to the point where it's like, you know, some people, like they're not they're not paying my bills. They're not getting me anywhere. They're not helping me. They're not. And I was jealous of a lot of them. I had friends getting married. I had friends getting six-figure jobs. I had friends doing amazing shit. And I was, I felt like I had to work three times as hard for a quarter of the reward and a kick in the balls in between. And um, you, you don't feel good when that happens. You really don't. You, 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 there's just no way, there, there's no way around it. So I... You know, I, I do the gig at GameStop. Then I get an extra writing gig. So for about five five months or so, um, you know, I start doing stuff on Fiverr. I'm writing for a few different outlets. I was making more money, and I didn't have to work as hard. Book sales also, you know, picked back up. So I was getting a good monthly um, uh, monthly royalty check from that. So for the first time, I'm like, you know, I'm not working for, like, anybody right now, but I'm kind of working for myself as a freelancer and, uh, a contractor. So like, I could probably do this for about four or five months. So I did, you know, it was a lot of work, but you know, I did what I did. And eventually I thought I was going to work for a, uh, a direct marketing agency. And if you ever hear direct marketing run, basically I thought I was going to be doing uh marketing for the nationals in DC. Instead, what I ended up doing was selling, uh, you know, this, the, these bags of makeup from China for like 20 bucks going business to business. See, business to business is worse than door to door, at least door to door. You know, people are accustomed to that. You walk into where somebody's working, you try and sell them shit while they're at their job. Like that, that doesn't fly. I did that for two weeks. Um, you know, walked so fucking far in, in a pair, uh, in a pair of saddle shoes that I was wearing because he also had to wear a suit. Uh, I walked so far, I put a hole in both of them. So I'd start wearing sneakers with my suit. I was doing this. And then in the last week, uh, that neck injury, that neck head injury I told you about, because, oh, yeah, uh, six months after, no, four months after the concussion I got, um, I was also in a car accident. So not only was my um, concussion compounded in terms of the effects, but I also uh, caused a protruding nerve to occur in my neck. I would have to get surgery for that a little bit later. But anyway, and there's a few months after the surgery now, I'm working for this place selling fucking makeup outside of Baltimore to freaking strippers in D.C. and shit like that. Um, at one point, I have to take a uh, basically a sick day, and they had this stupid policy where I'd have to go to the doctor. The only problem was I didn't have freaking insurance. I couldn't have paid to do that. Um, I show up the next day, and they're like, you voided your base pay for the week, so now everything you're doing is running off commission. What I also didn't realize was that you also had to meet a minimum threshold for that. So by the end of the week, after working 60 hours, because you had to work 60 hours Monday through Friday, it was utterly insane. This was in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, where you're based out of. I got my check because you were paid weekly. I got a check for $50. I was the least performing salesman. I'm sorry, direct marketer. And after working 60 hours... Uh, running all over town, using my own vehicle and shit like that, having to replace the shoes that I walked holes into. Um, I, I made 50 bucks. And I sent in uh, my resignation on a Sunday. The next Monday morning was my brother's birthday. I woke up and said, hey, I quit my job. Let's, uh, let, let's, let's go see a movie for your birthday. So we went to Alamo Drafthouse. I got pretty loaded. We watched Avengers Endgame, and I'm crying through half of it, especially when Iron Man dies. At the end of the movie, I'm like, okay, well, that was a nice reprieve. Now what the fuck do I do? So I'm really struggling at that point, and uh, I don't know what's happening 
with the world and I just kind of, you know, isolate myself more. I decide, I decide to write another book. Um, oh, my brother's also working on the TV series, The Witching Hour, which I would later join later in the year. Actually, no, it, it had been happening because I, I remember filming some of those episodes while I was in Mall Cops. It was basically like, you know, all, all, all this stuff. It sounds complicated. I promise it's going to keep going. But anyway, I start writing my second book after that, How to Succeed in Politics and Other Forms of Devil Worship. It's, uh, you know, it, it's a good emotional outlet for me to do things. I go back to writing for a few other outlets again, too, since I'd taken kind of a break from that. And uh, it's around June 2019 at this point. So two and a half, two and a half years, no real full-time job, a, a lot of, you know, big promises that lead to nothing. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm saving some money, so I'm not completely broke as shit, but I'm still like, like, you know, it, it was nothing to boast about. Um, good, 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 good former boss calls me from one of the places I had interned at. He's like, Hey, uh, I know someone at the Washington Times. I know that you were really into all this politics and media stuff. How about I hook you up? So I said, absolutely. It turned out to be the Washington Times, which was the best opportunity I ever had in my life. Uh, I interview, I compete, and I ended up getting the job in July of 2019. That was my first full-time job for the first time actually making, like, serious money. And, um, you know, it was great. Like, it was, it was an amazing opportunity. I love that job. It was one of the best jobs in the world. Uh, do that. I'm, I'm on top of the world. Second book comes out. Uh, you know, we go into 2020 and it's going to be like the best year ever. Bam, COVID happens. And in March, me and all the other staff get a letter saying that uh, we're going to be working from home for the foreseeable future, but uh, our salaries were cut 10% because of a drop in um, ad sales. Because no one's buying newspapers right now. No one's listen to radio and stuff like that. Like, you know, it's only going to be for a few months. So just dig in and you'll be fine. So, uh, I end up, you know, I'm, and I'm making like for most of the country, like Midwest, I was making like an average, uh, salary, uh, for most people, but like in the beltway, like I'm, I'm making more money compared to what what I've made my entire life. But you know, in the beltway, I was still considered like, you know, I got to live at home still. Um, so I'm like, okay, 10% for a few months, it's fine. A few months go by, I'm, I'm working extra, I'm bringing great results, I'm trying to, you know, make it so that way we could make, make that money back. Uh, two months turns into four months, four months turns into six months. And I'm like, I can't, I can't keep working at the rate I'm doing. I, I didn't feel very appreciated towards the end of my time there. And uh, they just, they, they just, like, they, it became very apparent that they were not going to uh, restore our salaries. So I'm, I'm looking around for other jobs and I'm like, I, I gotta, I gotta go somewhere. I'm appreciated where I'm actually, you know, gonna gonna make, gonna make some real money. So I get an offer for a company called Parler. I worked for Parler for, uh, double the salary. And during the next five months, it's a personal Vietnam. Uh, it was the worst experience of my life. And for legal reasons, I cannot get into it. But uh, in December of 2019, uh, I'm offered a severance. In or- and in order to receive the severance, I have to sign an NDA. So I sign it. They give me a check. And immediately, uh, you know, about a few weeks later after Christmas, I'm uh, medically discharged honorably from the Virginia National Guard. So I'm out of the army. Also means no more army money coming in monthly. Uh, luckily, I'm I'm copywriting for some celebrity clients. I'm going on some extra shows. I'm, you know, I still had some streams of income. I had six months of savings coming in. So like it was not terrible. And I got that severance. Um, then what happens is in January... I catch COVID. I'm down because I, I got COVID pneumonia. I can't work. Uh, also, I get my W-2 from the Washington Times. Uh, I had paid my income taxes, you know, properly in 2019. What ended up happening was somebody from the Washington Times Finance Department uh, was still taking money out for federal taxes, but they did not report it. So, 
they they refuse to talk to me or anything after I'm like, you guys are taking out my taxes, but you didn't report the number, the total number from the year in my W-2. So I end up getting double taxed. Uh, long story short, could, could, could have sued them, could have done a lot of things, but luckily I had, you know, I had my severance money, which I hadn't touched because luckily I still had some jobs coming in from contracts, copywriting, that type of stuff. I had my savings. So I literally take my entire severance I'm given and I take my stimulus checks, which I also saved and I use it to pay off my taxes. It was a lot of fucking money. I paid more taxes than my parents. And, uh, you know, at this point I'm just, you know, I, I am just exhausted because I'm applying for jobs and, you know, because of everything that happens with parlor, does anyone really want to hire the parlor guy? Um, you know, even though I had left a month prior, uh, you know, job market still with COVID is still really weird. I want to find something within the digital marketing sphere, maybe get into politics at that point. I'm like, I just need to get away from that entire world at this point. I just need a regular J-O-B. Uh, and book sales also dropped. So, you know, I went from like, you know, a popper to a prince to now being back to a popper. So at this point, uh, you know, I, I applied for my current job and they're like, we'll talk to you in a few weeks. Uh, for a few weeks after that, I go on a good trip to North Carolina, hang out with an old army buddy of mine, disconnect from everybody. And, uh, I just enjoy my own time. And then I come back and, uh, a good friend of mine also, uh, he's like, Hey, my, my company is hiring for people in the warehouse. Um, you know, you can make, Eleven dollars an hour working for uh, a couple months. It would be seasonal. You're just stocking shelves and packaging, uh, you know, vitamins and stuff like that. It's good, easy money. You could set your own hours and stuff. So I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll go work in a warehouse. Luckily, my boss there was really cool. Um, she ended up paying me fifteen bucks because not a lot of people wanted to go work in a warehouse. You could make a lot more uh, sitting at home collecting welfare. Uh, she also increased my hours. I was only going to work like, you know, uh, eight, 16 hours, end up working like 24, 32 in some cases. And I'm working at that warehouse. And let me tell you, that was one of the most physically demanding fucking jobs in my life. Uh, I came home filthy every day, every day. And, uh, you know, word gets around because people, you know, people talk and it's like, oh, look what happened to Remso. It was on this upward trajectory. Everything is going great. Then all, all the shit happens, and he's working in a fucking warehouse now. He's, you know, he's 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 wiping uh, windows, and he's clean, and he's mopping floors, and he's taking out garbage, and he's working in a fucking warehouse. And uh, I ignored everyone. You know, my my back and neck, like I was I was in pain by the end of the day. It was it was rough. Um. And then through Providence, I end up getting the job here in uh, Wisconsin, working for a great organization. And it was also really good because it allowed me the opportunity to really officially propose to my girlfriend, now fiance, uh, allowed me to move to a place where it's just, uh, you know, it's just easier to live than Northern Virginia, where it's becoming a, a kind of a liberal cesspit of socialism and, and wokeness and just you know, this real like nihilistic mindset that just completely sucked out all the fun of living there. So I move here and, you know, I work and then I still do uh, work on my personal projects for some of the clients I kept on the weekends and I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Like I can't complain, man. Um, and you know, I don't take this for granted. Like I look around and it's like, I'm, I'm on my own. I own the things around me. I don't have debt. I'm, I'm able to be charitable with people and stuff like that. Like, um, you know, I'm not super rich or anything. I'm not by really any standard, but like, I'm, I'm better off than like a lot of fucking people. And I don't let that pass me. And the fact that I can take time out of my week to come here and record this show with you and my other shows and stuff. And I mean, I, I live an amazing life and it, it's all through the grace of God. I can't deny it. I'm only here because of God, because I, I went through some real, periods where I'm like, I fucking hate myself and this sucks. And, um, you know, when, when I think about the conversation I had with my friend a few weeks ago and he's just like, Oh, well, you know, I don't want to go deliver pizzas. What do people find out? It's like, who fucking cares? They're not paying your bills. A job is a job. 
You know what they call somebody who, who can work but doesn't want to work? A fucking bum. Go deliver pizzas. Go take an online class on fucking Udemy. You know how much shit on YouTube I've learned? My entire job right now is based off stuff I learned on YouTube and the internet. It's, on, it's through online courses I took. I took online courses on dividend investing to get better of my investing habits. I, I took courses on how to be better at fucking Instagram and stuff like that. I took writer's courses. I took courses on everything while working part-time jobs. Hell, I wrote my first book while being a mall cop and managing a city council race all at the same time. Like, you work. You do it. And, you know, I, I see people regularly, not here as much, because people here in Wisconsin have to have fucking jobs. Like, there's no big government here. I'm like back home where everyone, you know, um, I, I heard a joke. It's like, you'll, you'll be like 21 years old, making like less than 40 a year, crammed into an apartment of 10 people, but you're a Hill staffer, so you think you're, you're a fucking power player. And it's like... You know, that, that's the mindset. And those people look down on other people. And I didn't realize that even I had somewhat of that mindset without really, you know, think without really realizing it until I was working those jobs. And it's like no one makes eye contact with the fucking mall cop. No one makes eye contact with the person who's their cashier. No one, no one, lear- no one really wants to learn the name of the dude who's doing, you know, the cleaning or cleaning closets or stocking shelves and shit like that we we don't see them as people and if we do see them we think especially if they're like older doing these jobs we think what they do to screw up oh well you know they must not be that smart oh well you know if they worked harder they wouldn't be doing this um we all we're all quick to judge especially when things are good you know i'm i'm a christian and i have a very poor habit uh, I don't pray as often as I need to deliberately. I mean, I'll pr- I'll pray throughout the day, but like, I what I've no- what I know about myself is that I pr- I rarely pray when things are really great because I-, I don't really think about anything else. I don't really think I need to. But when shit's down, you better believe I'm on my knees. I'm I'm crying as a grown ass man. I'm praying that God helps me, and He always has. He doesn't need to, but He always has. And that's why when I get in these moments where I'm like, shit's really good. Like I, I stop what I'm doing and I pray and I'm like, you, you're, you're so good to me and you don't need to be, but you are. And I know that everything you give, you can take away and that even pain is a gift. Like it, it's, it's all because of you and you might disagree with me. You have, you might have a different worldview, but like it's, it's, it's the truth to me. It's how I live my life. And as I, you know, as I'm planning the episode and everything else, I literally am coming back from a Brewers game. I went to finally go see my first baseball game here. I'm a baseball fan. I don't really talk sports as much. But, you know, the more I drift away from politics, the more I understand. Uh, you know, sports is kind of fun. I enjoy it. I enjoy baseball. I've been watching fights. A lot of you on Twitter made fun of me because I paid to watch uh, – Floyd Mayweather fight Logan Paul. I had a blast watching that on Showtime. In fact, what was funny was I paid $50 for that match because it blacked out for like 15 minutes across the network. Me and a whole bunch of other people got full refunds for it. So I basically got to watch the entire fight for free. Um, you know, I'm not complaining about that. But anyway, come back from the game, go on Instagram. I see that my Uncle Brody um, has posted something. And he's, he is not like social media. He hates social media. But uh, let me tell you something about my uncle. My uncle, very young, became a really a global sensation during the boy band era for, for a couple of years when boy bands were hot. And he was in a group called C-Note. You can go Google them, Brody Martinez C-Note. They were a, uh, a Latin American, you know, Spanish-English boy band, um, you know, they were top 100 on a bunch of radio stations stuff for a couple of years in the late 90s when boy bands were big. Did that, made a ton of money. Uh, life changes. He gets out of it, gets married, has a kid, adopts a kid, uh, has, to, has to work, gets laid off, gets a salary cut. All this has also happened during the 2008 crisis. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not being too accurate. I'm just kind of jumbling all together. But basically, he went from being like, 
everyone loves you. People are crying or like screaming your name while you're on stage going on tour, getting like that celebrity life. And years later, you're a suburban dad working in, uh, in finance and insurance. And, uh, he, he's a great man. I, I love my uncle Brody. And, uh, I mean, really he, he has a, he has a good head on his shoulders. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he's living a regular life. And during COVID and everything else, it hit him like it hit all of us. And I'm going to go ahead and play you uh, his little rant that he uploaded to Instagram. So since January, I picked up a part-time job at Domino's Pizza, and I deliver pizzas about two or three days a week. It's not a lot, but, you know, I I make an extra $300 a week doing it and everything, and it, it works out pretty well. It just... Something that needed to be done, and I went ahead and did Yesterday, I went ahead and made a delivery. After I made a delivery, I came back to the pizza shop, and I was getting out, going into the pizza shop. A young man with his girlfriend walking right across the pizza shop passed me, and as he passed me, he said, don't you get tired of it? And he continued to walk. And I stopped there for a second. I said, what? He goes, yeah, don't you get tired of just getting in your car and delivering pizzas to people? And I responded really quickly. I'm like, no, I, I don't. I, I make money. And then I asked him, do you know the principles of how a job works? You work to get money. And he laughed and he just walked away and everything. And you know what? I'm still thinking about it now because it still bothers me. This generation, this young generation sucks. You three-year-olds need to step up your game because to walk up to a 46-year-old man and judge him to his face because you feel I am nothing less or other than a pizza delivery man who is someone who works for a living even if somebody delivered pizzas full-time which I don't but someone who delivers pizza full-time works that shit is work so for you to just judge somebody like that because they're delivering pizzas? Come on, man. Y'all need to sack up. Sack the fuck up. Because that is bullshit. You don't talk to grown-ass men that way. You don't presume to know what their life is like because they wear a uniform that you find demeaning or underneath you while you're still living at home. Walking with $20 in your pocket that your mom gave you. That just really pissed me off. At this, uh, like, Loudoun... Oh, yeah, it was at the Loudoun County Young Republicans. I love going there. They, they always invite me. I always had a hoot whenever a book came out. And uh, the first one I noticed that there was a lot more silver hair than, uh, than I thought there would be at a Young Republicans meetup. But, you know, I'm there. I'm young. I published a book. I've got, I've got Hispanic last name. Of course, the white Republicans love me. And they're talking, and one of them asked me, it's like, how do we get more young people to want to stand up for conservative values? Should we get them signed up for, like, you know, Young Americans for Freedom or Turning Point USA or any of these things? Do they need to watch more Candace Owens? And I stopped the guy in his tracks. I'm like, no. You, you, want your, you want your children not to become communists and everything else? Let them go get a job. And, and let me tell you about the people in this area. They're all pretty much wealthy. Like, I could tell you that pretty much everyone in that crowd was at least making, like, 80 or more. I'm pretty sure they were all, like, defense contractors. A couple of them worked for IBM. Like, they're, they're not – like, that part of Virginia, it's very well-to-do. And there's even a degree of old money. So when I was like, get, let them get a job – like, they were just like, well, my kid doesn't work. My kid needs to focus on sports and school. My kid's going to be somebody. You could hear the rumblings. And I'm like, there's dignity in work. I've been at the top of the world, and I've been a cashier and a mall cop, people. And there's dignity in work. And wait till Tommy comes home with his first paycheck after working his ass off, doing a job he probably really doesn't love, and seeing how much is being taken out in taxes. And that will do more than any lecture you see any YouTube video you watch, any book you read, that will do anything. And I got, you know, the clap. It's like, yeah, the blue-collar class and everything else. But it's like, you know, it's it's true. And, you know, with, with my Uncle Brody having, you know, been at the top of the world and, you know, now he's living just a regular life and he's still willing to do this and he's willing to admit it. It's better than me. I didn't admit half my shit jobs until I left them. 
And, um, you know, I still look at it. And if, let's say, life went to shit tomorrow and I found myself unemployed, the first thing I would do is probably go to fucking Domino's, get that $500 signing bonus, and work. I mean, I've seen this. This isn't just a recent thing. I've seen this my entire life. When I was about to graduate from high school, right before I was about to go off in the Army and everything else, this one dude, uh, varsity football team, uh, vice president of the Young Conservatives Club and everything else, you know, nice kid, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, all-American kid. I'm not saying that's a, you know, race bait or anything. I'm just saying that, he, you know, he had all that going for him. He was a nice guy. I'll also say kind of ignorant, kind of young. Probably wouldn't say this now, but I told him what I was doing. I told him, go in the Army. I'm going to military junior college to go this route of an officer. He said, wow, you know, that's amazing. Thank you for your service. I would go in the military, but I've got too much going for me, so uh, thank you. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you later. It wasn't until it hit me in the fucking car. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean you have too much going for you? I'm not going to just blame the kids. I also blame the parents. I got into, uh, uh, I think it's WLNI for my Virginia folks out in Lynchburg, Lynchburg Talk Radio. I'm not allowing WLNI anymore because I got into a fight with Mary Walters on air uh, talking about you know parents who ignore the fact that their kids are bullies in public education. And uh, you know, I basically pulled that, yeah, it's never your kid. It's always somebody else's kid. That's what allows this bad behavior to, to, to go on because you'd never admit that sometimes your kid's just a punk. But that's just another thing. But it's like, you know, parents also tell their kids, it's like, you don't have to worry about that. That job's for other people. Or you, or, you, you're, or you walk down the street and you see the guy cleaning up trash and you're like, you need to go to school or else you'll end up like that guy. That guy, if you're in Northern Virginia, might have a freaking law degree for all you know. I, I knew an Uber driver who was basically driving for Uber, for Uber full time. He fled Egypt during the Arab Spring because he was a partisan for Mubarak, and he's living in the United States. He had to go through law school again just to practice law in the United States, and he had four kids and a wife back in Egypt. uh, One of the guys I was working with when I was a mall cop, uh, Libyan, he was an officer in Gaddafi's army, fled because Gaddafi was evil, and this guy was making you know a good amount of money being an officer in the Libyan army, fled with his family to the United States to achieve the American dream. He loved it, and he was a prison dispatch officer by day, and he was a mall cop dispatch officer by night, and that man will never get to retire. He's in his 60s when I worked for him, and I saw him two years after I had left that mall cop job, and he was still standing in his corner during his shift, guiding people to Starbucks. And am I saying, oh, well, you know, you should have done something else? No, that man fucking works. And he deserves all your respect for coming here, being a contributing member of this country and providing for his family as a man is supposed to do. The manager I had at GameStop, one of the best managers I've ever had in my life, taught me a lot about humility, taught me a lot of skills, was very patient with me because I couldn't work a register all the time. Uh, because, I, you know, it's, there's a lot you got to figure out when you're working with the electronic register system and stuff. Um, you know, he was making good money working for the post office in Maryland, had to quit that, couldn't transfer to another branch in Virginia, needed to be close to his mother. So he had been a GameStop manager before he went to go work at the post office, left that job making a good salary to work more hours for half as much to be close to his mom who had um, multiple sclerosis. That's a, that's a man right there, somebody who takes care of their family. And, and I can keep going on, but, like, th- there's dignity in work. There is. And, and don't ever just take it for granted that just because things are good now, they'll always be good. I'll, I'll even put the inverse situation there. Just because things are bad does not mean they'll always be bad. In, in five years, I have had experiences that have put me in very strange situations where things have been really amazing and things have been really shitty, but there's only one constant thing. The choices I make, well, actually, there are two constant things. The choices I make is one, and God is the other. And I can change, and things will change up and down and good and bad and left and right, and God will always be the same. But... I know that at the end of the day, everything I'm given is a gift and it can very easily be taken away. And if I don't treat it seriously, 
No one else certainly is. I, uh, to, to cap off this episode, I wrote a piece for the Washington Times. I tied this in to a... Um, now, of course, the paywall jumps up. Here's, here's a tip. Go to another browser, take the link, and bam, pass the paywall. You get that advice for free. I wrote this uh, during the uh, one, you know, one of the shooting sprees that occurred in 2019. I think it was the Walmart shooting in Texas. Uh, somehow I tied this in. I'm going to read this to you. And, uh, you know, sometimes I have to go back and read this myself. My father, when I was giving myself a really big pity party, he actually said, are you the same person that wrote um, Or are you the same person that wrote this? So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and read it for you. And then we'll go ahead and close off the show. I called it a mall cop elegy. What choices encourage heroism in the midst of chaos? How do people make choices? It's a complicated question that philosophers have been pondering for a millennia. But it turns out that wisdom and experience can be found outside of the ivory tower and TED Talks. For me, it was working as a mall cop. Seriously. As a recent college graduate with a pretty nice resume, I was nonetheless unemployed and struggling uh, to find full-time work like many other college graduates with a political science degree, or as I've learned to call it, a good intentions degree. Being an unarmed security guard at Reston Town Center in Northern Virginia was a simple job. Stand around, make sure people didn't set things on fire while the white-collar class worked at the Fortune 500s in the towering office spaces that looked down upon us shopped at the stores we couldn't afford to shop, and drove cars we'd probably never so much as test drive. If you think I was bitter and confused, you're right. What I didn't expect was to learn from the work ethic of the many legal immigrants who were working red-eye shifts at the mall and evening shifts as baggage handlers at Dulles Airport just to send some money back home to their families. Never in a million years did I imagine that I would be on a first-name basis with a mentally ill homeless man, whose sole pleasure was finding enough loose cash and change so he could buy a cigar and smoke it right down to the end of the label. I'll never forget the moment I had to ticket a man's BMW for double parking, and as I put the ticket under his windshield wipers, he came outside in his three-piece suit and chastised me in public because he didn't want to pay the ticket. You wouldn't be here if you went to college and made better decisions, he said to me, almost like a caricature of a man blinded by his own wealth and privilege. I wanted to give him the middle finger, but instead I shot him a smile and walked away. I had a choice to make about how I was going to handle that situation, and he still had a ticket to pay. This isn't a story about how I got something better eventually by humbling myself amongst the blue-collar crew that clean our toilets and prepare food so we can be comfortable. It's a story about being thankful for what you have and understanding that everything ultimately comes down to the choices we all make. I find the timing perfect that a new film based on the life of Fred Rogers from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood should be coming to theaters shortly. Times like these are when we could use some folksy wisdom from America's neighbor. During a commencement speech at Dartmouth University in 2002, Mr. Rogers gave a speech that could easily be given to any graduating class today. I'm very interested in choices, Rogers said and what it is and who it is that enable us human beings to make the choices we all make throughout our lives. What choices lead to ethnic cleansing? What choices lead to healing? What choices lead to the destruction of the environment, the erosion of the Sabbath, suicide bombings or, teenage shooting, or teenagers shooting teachers? What choices encourage heroism in the midst of chaos? What is essential is invisible to the eye, Rogers said quoting a phrase from the French novel, The Little Prince. Well, what is essential about you? And who are those who have helped you become the person you are? Choices. Everything ultimately comes down to us making very deliberate choices. To burn down the neighborhood or to choose to be neighborly. Christopher Grant of El Paso, who ran toward the shooter there earlier this month, made one such choice. He was gravely wounded in the attack and saved the lives of others. It's not the honors and the prizes or the fancy outsides of life which ultimately nourish the soul, Fred Rogers said. It's knowing that each of us can be trusted, that we never have to fear the truth that the bedrock of our lives from which we make our choices is very good stuff. Mr. Rogers knew it. We know it. What matters are the choices we make knowing that truth. 
Friends, I hope this episode benefited you. I'm nobody special. I'm an average person. I've had many big highs and many big lows. I've had left and right moments. I've been confused. I've, you know, gotten, I've done a very, I've done a lot in a very little amount of time. But really, if this episode can help you or somebody you know in any way, that's all I need to know. We'll probably, I'll probably never know your names. But if it helps one person who's wondering what other people will think of them for doing something, who's wondering if they'll be able to pay their bills, who's wondering what the next move is, understand that your choices are yours and that God is good and that somehow amidst all of it, I've been able to get to a point in my life where I'm actually excited to see tomorrow and I found peace. I'll still have difficulties, I'll still have those moments, but I fall back to these truths. Because they are truths. I'm Ramsey W. Martinez. I'll talk to you later. Be safe, be good, good night.